Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of We, Us, and Ours. We are so excited for this conversation today because we have a very special guest all the way from the UK. Ben Bradbury, or as I like to call him, Ben from Britain, is an exceptional guy who through his company, Astutely, helps leaders build powerful relationships through empathetic communication. Ben and I met by chance in Times Square nearly three years ago and have been friends ever since truly encompassing this podcast motto of make friends in unexpected places. So without further ado, here is Ben from Britain. Ben from Britain, I am so excited to have you here with us because first off, you just bring so much joy to my life and I know to many others, but it is truly a treat to have you here. Well, Charlotte from Chicago, the feeling is very much mutual. I'm looking forward to getting stuck in. Yes. Okay. So there's nowhere else that we could start besides how how we've gotten connected, how we first met. This is Time one square. of my my favorite my favorite stories because it's so absurd. <laughs> and with this podcast, one of our core values is that we believe in making friends in unexpected places. And I I, I feel like our our meat story is perfect. So I want, I want to hear this from your perspective of who is this random girl that you met and, and <laughs> how. So take it away. Okay. So let me set the scene for everyone listening. So I had, I was wrapping up 11 months living in New York City, which is some of the best months of my life. Absolutely loved it. And I had less than 48 hours at this point left. It was, I think, August the 23rd, maybe, or, or a day soon around that. And I wanted to tick off a couple of the major bucket list items. And what could be more iconic in New York City than paying one last pilgrimage to Times Square, the city of shining lights? So I'm standing in the middle of the square with a good friend of ours, Tom. And Tom and I are, I'm just kind of soaking up the ambiance at this point and, uh, and kind of looking around and enjoying it. And off to my side, I, I see that we've started making conversation with someone, or Tom has specifically. And there's this girl who's kind of just really chipperly piped up. And I'm like, okay, I like this person's energy. I've, <laughs> I have no idea who she is. But if one of the things that definitely sums up New York is that it's a cultural melting pot. Like, yeah, it really is a place where I think people can be themselves. And it's very opening to to a lot of different people. And so I'm, I'm, I'm an open guy. I'm an optimistic guy. I'm, like, I'm here for it. Cool. And, um, and so we get chatting, she's introduced to Charlotte, and it turns out that she has a, has a catchy name, Charlotte from Chicago. I'm like, cool, this is someone who has a brand, all right. And so I think the, the initial kind of hook for me, if you like Charlotte, was definitely getting the Charlotte from Chicago sticker. Like <laughs> that, first of all, I was like, okay, this is, this is someone serious. Like I, I am not just like mucking around with a tourist here. This is someone with a proper brand. All right, we need to, we need to get to meet this person. So um, so, but I think the really like fortuitous thing about it is friendship. The friendships often take a lot of time to mature. It's like planting a tree. You can't just plant a seed and then expect to have this great big oak tree the next day. It takes consistently showing up for them. And we've lived over on different continents for most of the time that we've been friends, and we've still managed to stay connected in a really endearing, endearing way, in my opinion. And that was my favorite thing about the interaction we had is it wasn't just that kind of initial seed that was planted it's the follow-up that we've had kind of since then and the other really cool part of this is that 
Um, that was actually the day that Tom and I figured out the concept behind what is now my podcast, Subject Matter. And so we were we were spitballing on this, and literally the day that we met you and we had that we had a picture taken in Times Square. It, it's cool for me because something that is so important to me, which is our friendship, is also anchored with the uh, the podcast I've created. So there's these two kind of parallel timelines, if you like, in my head. Yes, and that just makes it so full circle that I would have you as a guest on my podcast. But something that I'm so happy in the way that you described that was not oh, here's some crazy girl that came up asking for a photo because <laughs> that that is how I came up. What happened was, what's so funny is that one of your last days in New York was my first day in New York. So I had just mm. moved to New York after college graduation and I was with a couple of friends and it was literally our first day in Manhattan. And we said, okay, well, we got to do Times Square. We got to take a picture. And so we needed a group photo. We're looking around and we're like, okay, well, those, those are two guys that look to be about our age. They don't look creepy or they're not going to run off with our phone. Let's ask them. And so that's how I walked up to Tom and was like, hello, would you mind taking our picture? And in full fashion was just like, bubbly here like hello and mm -hmm. so I remember distinctly just like getting the picture and then walking back to my friends and them all kind of whispering like oh those guys were kind of cute like blah, blah, blah. and then I said you know what there's just there was just something about them and they looked at me kind of like what do you, what do you mean and I said I don't know but I I think I need to go give them a Charlotte from Chicago sticker. And they're like, Charlotte, what are you doing? I was like, no, I need to do it. And so, so I went back and I was like, hi. So by the way, here's a sticker. And I remember Tom taking it off the backing and immediately just slapping it onto his yeah, hand. That's right. And he was just like, I'm branded. And I was like, all right, my dude. <laughs> I remember being fascinated that you had a British accent because I'm thinking, okay, interesting. And when Tom said he was from Connecticut, I was like, oh, where in Connecticut? Turns out his dad and my dad went to high school together. And I'm like, what a weird no way. Yeah, Small like what a world. weird, weird connection. And so mm -hmm. there was just a lot happening there that I'm like, okay, I'm so glad that I have not come off as just this crazy lady in Times Square because Tom and I got connected. I think he gave me his Instagram and you gave me your email. I was like, mm, this might be a nice way that this man is like, <laughs> okay, I'll get connected with you, but like from a distance. And so <laughs> you gave me your email and your first and last name. So I did what any professional would do. And I went and found you on LinkedIn. And then I was like, wow, <laughs> let's be connected. And it was just, I think we ended up setting up like a Skype call after. And that's how we really mm. started to share like what we were both working towards and that I shared that I had a passion for public speaking and you have been doing a lot of public speaking back in the UK. So we started talking there. And what was cool was that I also had developed a separate individual friendship with Tom. And mm -hmm. I think it was maybe six months later, I was in Washington, D.C. when he was in D.C. working on launching what we now know is his company, Lunchbox. And mm -hmm. so I got to go and see one of the prototypes and meet his team. And his team was kind of like, so how do you know her? And I was like, hmm. I was this random girl that asked for a picture in Times Square. And they're <laughs> kind of like, and why are you here now? And I'm like, I don't really know. 
but it's just it's great how that all flowed and I think something that you touched on was the fact that we have not lived on the same continent since we've known each other besides those first few days but we have been able to build our friendship because of the commitment on both sides I would say and I think that's one thing that the pandemic has really shaped with a lot of people too is that when you can't meet in person you have to find other ways to build relationships and stay in communications with people and you and I are both such travelers that and we have friends all over the world that we've been doing that for a while that we're like well I value this relationship so I'm going to put in effort even if I can't be there in person but Mm -hmm. One thing that I have really admired about you is that you always put in the effort, no matter what stretch that it goes with. And what I'm thinking of was that about a year after you and I first met, you'd come back to New York for a conference and you had barely like an hour, barely an hour. And we, you were like, Charlotte, I need to see you. And we met for breakfast in mm-hmm. the pouring rain and got soaked and to me it didn't it didn't matter it took me double sure. the amount of time commuting than what we spent together but it was worth it because you had made a commitment to say i'm in the us for like a week i want to see you and i had said you are in the us for a week i want to see you and 100% i think there's something really beautiful about those friendships that say you know what like there's some obstacles but like we're we're going to be here and so i that's something i have always really admired about you and valued in our relationship and i'm just so proud that i get to be connected to the start of subject matter because that that is what started it all and i would love to hear more about that because subject matter has been such an incredible podcast and to watch it grow is amazing and i know you guys have been doing a lot of new things recently yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, I appreciate the kind words. And one observation from what you said, and, and something that I think is very special about how you cultivate your relationships, and honestly, something very powerful that I think everyone can learn from, is you remember the specific medium by which someone got connected to you. So you remembered that Tom gave you his Instagram and I gave you my email, something that I'd completely forgotten but that is a detail that you paid attention to because you understood the context of how that relationship was being built. And so you kind of realized that the the email, that could be interpreted potentially as someone wanting to keep the relationship more professional or as you say, at a distance, which might mean if someone else was to do that, that you'd need to go the extra mile. Whereas if someone's like, here's my number, here's my WhatsApp, and they send you a voice note, it's a much more personal form of connection. So props to you and something I've definitely learned from from you is the ability to pick these different mediums and meet people where they are and tailor the message kind of responsively to that. The podcast is an interesting example because a podcast is more, it's more entertainment than it is education. So it's more like Netflix than it is like the New York Times. And that's why people are far more willing to listen to wandering conversations in a podcast because it's ambient consumption. It's something you might have on when you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're driving, whatever that is. So you can hear Charlotte and Ben kind of riffing on conversation with each other. So with subject matter, we're aware of this, that the podcast is an entertaining medium. And 
our target audience is busy business leaders, people who are leading teams, they have a cause they're passionate about, and they're tight on time. Ultimately, they need to be efficient with what they're consuming and how on they are. So we want to give the listeners that we have the most cost-effective way to learn how to connect with their customers and employees. Our whole value proposition is building the skill of empathetic communication. And this is something I think you're great at, Charlotte, is connecting to people's hearts and heads. Because it's one thing saying, oh, can you come and take a picture of us? Which is quite a rational statement, but it's another saying, I really like you guys, have a sticker. Like you, you mean something to me, right? And that's a connection. That's something that's memorable, that plants the seed of a friendship. And this, does, this doesn't just apply to personal relationships, but professional ones as well. And empathetic communication can really be, I believe, a busy business leader's superpower. So subject matter is both non-fictional, which is primarily what we have been experimenting, or not experimenting, uh, producing for the last season, season three. And season three is really about taking lessons from history, both past and present, so that business leaders can build better relationships, distilling ancient wisdom for modern decisions. And what we've been experimenting with, which I'm really excited about, is our fictional podcast episodes. So the series is called The What If Stories, and which means what if history took a different turn? So every episode has a different premise. One of the episodes that I think you've listened to is the premise being what if there was a way we could visualize our potential? What would this feeling this feeling of um, of knowing what our potential is actually unlock. And so we bring in music, we bring in sound effects, and we make this really immersive experience because ultimately there's a lower barrier to entry to picking up a fictional book than there is a non-fictional book. So if you think about, Charlotte, you've had a, a long day, you're completely whacked, you just want to relax for five, uh, for like half an hour, let's say. Are you going to pick up this kind of beastly tome, the laws of human nature like this, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Or are you going to pick up something that you can actually dig your teeth into, like a, a story um, and unwind? And so I think podcasts are very much the same, the same principle. When you reach a certain point, you just want to relax with a story. And so that's what the What If Story is doing. It's giving you an efficient way to learn, but you're able to swap tension for relaxation at the same time and just fully decompress while you listen. I think it is amazing. I have listened to a few episodes and first off, the, the quality of it is amazing. I genuinely feel like Disney or something could pick it up and be like, yes, this is the voiceover, the professional quality we want. I even told you before we had started recording that I'd listened to it with headphones in and the surround sound of it scared me. I thought there was someone behind me, but no, I was just walking through through a crowded bookstore. Um, also, one thing that I have to share, which is going to just make me seem like such a geek, but it's too funny not to share with with what ifs is that I had my own experience with like a what if in history. When I was in high school, I took AP US history and we did a final exam after the AP exam and I, I'm not great at history. <laughs> so I had asked my teacher, I said, can I do two projects on two different subjects and you give me extra credit because I need a higher grade? And she said, sure, fine. And so one of the projects that we were able to do was we had to take um, a movie and analyze it for historical accuracy. And so that was the like real project. And I did A Few Good Men and 
analyzed the like historical accuracy. But then for the bonus project, I did a what if in history. And for anyone mm. who knows me, I am a huge geek on oldies music. And I love Elvis. And so what a lot of people don't know is that Elvis is actually an identical twin, but the twin died really? at birth. And so Elvis survived, Elvis Aaron, but Jesse Guerin died. And so I did a what if in history of what if Elvis had died and Jesse had survived. Mm. Would Jesse have gone into music because Elvis was such a transformative part of society and just the the generation of music and just cultural norms that if we hadn't had that would someone else have stepped in would mm. like someone have come up to fame earlier or how would it have been if we had lost that huge era that Elvis had brought especially with kind of the um like thrusting hips on TV like this started a big frenzy and so that was my first interest in what if in histories of like wow you know this is really interesting to think like what if this was different and so I really resonated with listening to your podcast episode of well what if I had gone down this path or what if I ignored the dream that I've had and completely chosen another path and I think what I really loved about that episode was that the core real point to drive home was that it's not too late that if you've changed paths to a way that you are not super happy with, as long as you've still got air in your lungs, you have time. And well said. To, to be following after your purpose and what you are passionate about is one of the most impactful and fulfilling things that you can do no matter what that looks like or no matter what your past has looked like and I thought that was really beautiful and so well done with subject matter I appreciate that Charlotte uh, I think Friedrich Nietzsche had a great quote here where he said he who has a why can bear any how and the really powerful thing is that we all have a purpose inside of us the special thing though is that that purpose is completely unique to the individual. So everyone listening to this is the best in the world at one thing, and that's being themselves. And so when we take the time to figure out what makes us tick, not what society wants us to do, what our family wants us to do even, but really what drives us to our core, we can create these really powerful movements behind us. I think Martin Luther King is a great example of this. His dad originally wanted him to be a pastor at Ebenezer Church, where he grew up, which is in Atlanta. But King had bigger dreams. He wanted to expand beyond this, and he would ultimately become known for the civil rights movement. And he did this because he fused this really thorough understanding of spirituality. He had a PhD in it. He was literally Dr. King, but with the practicality to make change. So he wasn't just a stuffy pastor who was kind of lecturing at people he was there to drive action in his congregation and he did that because he followed his unique purpose he looked at his unique skill set um so yeah that's that's something that i think about a lot with the clients we work with and the people that i'm friends with honestly is are they doing what is uniquely theirs are they doing what is they're uniquely great at like take you charlotte from chicago you are uniquely great at facilitating connection or in an international arena in across the world like i, I don't know anybody else who is as well traveled and as open and as armed with dope stickers as you are <laughs> and that's what makes you special 
Thank you. And yes, the, the stickers are the best. Who needs a business card when you have a sticker? It's honestly so much more fun. But that's it's it's super true. And I, I love what you have to say about that. And I've been having these conversations with a lot of friends recently, actually, about what you're passionate about and what you really want to do. And I feel like the pandemic has put everything in perspective that life is too short to be wasting time at things that you're not passionate about that don't bring you joy. And I've had a lot of friends that are making some career shifts that have made some hard decisions because they're they're so stressed and anxious that they're physically feeling, they're physically feeling ill. And it for what? A, a job that's paying minimum wage, a job that's paying an entry level that like that you're not happy about. And I understand that people have different stages in life where things where people rely on you whether you are married or you have a kid or you have a house but I think that the opportunity cost of not pursuing the things that you love that bring you joy that make you happy is so much greater than the comfort of having a stable stable job or income. And I think that's something that I've really admired about you that from a young age, you've done what you've needed to do to really pursue what makes you happy and to be in your mid 20s and have lived in the UK, lived in the US. And when I a little bit after I met you, you had gone and done a little bit of time in Bali, which I thought was just super cool, because I hadn't known any digital nomads at the time. And so for you to be like, yeah, I'm just going to be over there for a few months, just busting my butt, working hard on all of this stuff, I thought was incredible. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about why you decided to do that. And I guess what, because it, it takes a lot of confidence to say, okay, I'm going to pick up and go to another country. So I want to sure. hear what's in your head when you make decisions like that. Sure. Good question. To start this, I have to give a bit of context, which is before moving to Bali, as you said, Charlotte, I'd spent some time in the US in uh, in New York, obviously where we met. Moving to New York was both simultaneously the hardest and best decision I think I've ever made. I was leaving behind everyone I knew, literally pretty much everyone I knew. I knew one person in the whole of the US at the time, which was my uh, my boss, my managing director, Megan, who was awesome. And I was leaving behind uh, my girlfriend. And so I was very close to actually not going to New York. And uh, a couple of my friends, Mark and Steph, bless their hearts, we uh, we had lunch and I said, yeah, I'm really not thinking of going. And they're a bit older. They were in their 30s. And Mark said, Ben, how old are you? And I said, I'm 23. And he said, mate, if I was 23 and I had the chance to go to New York, I would be on the plane yesterday. Just go and don't look back. And so I trusted them and, and took a leap of faith and it ended up panning out. Um, it wasn't easy necessarily. The first three or four months, I didn't know anyone in the city and I was just grinding to get this business off the ground that I'd moved over to the States to set up the tech startup I was working for. Um, but when I found my community, when I found my tribe, people like, like you, people like Tom, the next gen community, a couple other communities, that's when the wheel really started rolling. Um, and so I was coming away from New York at the end of a year with the confidence that 
and and this is something i do believe is that there are great people everywhere in the world talent is not located in just london or just silicon valley or just new york it's everywhere and so if you find people and you have the right attitude which i think charlotte you're a great example of this if you have the right attitude you can find amazing people in any corner of the world provided you're open and so my dilemma was this i was loving the momentum that i had with new york uh, but and there was a big but which is that i had a girlfriend of three years at the time who i didn't want to break up with and it was either continue down this New York path and work for the tech startup or it was move back home and, uh, and break up or it was move back home and stay together. So I opted to move back home and stay together. And I, I quite quickly found myself getting uh, a little bit depressed, which is that I was telling myself the story that London is just not New York. Um, and the problem with that is that I was trying to make a fish climb a tree, essentially. I was judging London by the New York standards and there is no other city like New York. That's what makes it special. The ambition, the energy that pulsates down Fifth Avenue and down every nook and cranny of Manhattan, Brooklyn and beyond. That isn't London. But London has some other distinct advantages, which I now appreciate and I'm glad I do, which is its history, its culture, its artistic side. But at the time, I was kind of like, oh, man, if I can't get to New York, I want to be somewhere else in the world. I'd really seen this itch that was that was scratched. and I'd, I'd realized just how big the world is now um, and how much of a bubble I'd honestly been living in. And so I was talking to a friend of mine about where I wanted to go. And he said and he put this proposition to me like this. He said, Ben, what if you could make a set amount of money? For me, that's thirty thousand dollars a month. If I could make $30,000 a month, then I can do anything I want. I can live anywhere I want. I can have the lifestyle I want. And little known to me at the time, he was essentially describing lifestyle design, kind of four-hour workweek Tim Ferriss style. And I thought, maybe there's something here. Maybe this is what I want to do. I, I had committed to working for myself as a freelance ghostwriter when I moved back to London. And I thought, well, why not freelance somewhere where you can have a pina colada after work? And so I ended up um, I ended up moving to Bali. And uh, in all seriousness, it wasn't just the, the pina coladas. Bali has a great, um, great infrastructure for Western digital nomads. It's kind of this Western outpost in the middle of Indonesia. It's, it's interesting, like very quick history lesson. All of Indonesia is Muslim because about 500 years ago during the Muslim conquests, they swept through what was originally Hindu Indonesia and the Hindu king fled to Bali. The island to the north of it is this big island called Java. And he took all of his men, all of his family and hid in Bali, his last stronghold. And the Muslims took one look at this island and said, nah, this is too much effort. We're just going to go around it. And so they left Bali to completely untouched. So it's this kind of cultural anomaly in the middle of Indonesia, which because of its background is much more liberal and Westerners have really thrived on the on the island. So going there, I knew that there were interesting people having had the New York experience. I now believed that there was interesting people anywhere in the world. And that's that uh, began an eight month chapter of living over there and working remotely on the island. Wow, it's it's incredible and i think i'm just i'm so inspired by that and i 
I'm a firm believer that life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And that is, of course, way easier to say than it is to execute, that there are things where you're like, yeah, I would love to do this, but it kind of scares the heck out of you. And a lot of times people won't end up doing it. But the sometimes the risk of not doing it is bigger than the risk of doing it. And I... I love what you said about how there are interesting people everywhere. I could not agree more. As someone who's been to 43 countries, I have met people that are different than me in every way, shape, and form, age, demographic, uh, background, and they're, they're so cool. The people that look different, that act different, that come from different backgrounds, those can be some of the, your your best friendships and I love, that's what I love about travel is that you get to meet people outside of your normal sphere. Because sometimes when you get caught in the bubble that you grew up in or that you've gotten comfortable in, you you don't grow as much because you're just going through the motions. And so I think that sometimes stirring up the soil a little bit and it it leads to some of the best adventures and the best growth is when you're constantly churning and adding new variables into your life and travel and changing locations can do that. One of my favorite pastors has a a quote that he says, change of pace plus change of place equals change in perspective. And Mm. I find myself coming back to that a lot when I feel like I've got kind of stagnant in my life or things aren't really moving. And I said, you know what? Sometimes I just need a change of place and a change of pace. And that could even be a staycation in your own city. I did that back in September, maybe October. I stayed in a hotel in New York City because I just needed a change of place and a change of pace. And I, that's really where this podcast started was in that hotel room. I had my microphone and I recorded the first episode. I was writing some blog posts. I'm not going to lie. There was a one point in the night that I kind of cried as in what am I doing with my life right now? But that's what really started this whole new chapter for me. And so I think for you changing locations from New York to Bali, and we are so lucky that we are at that place where we've been able to pick up and move and start new new chapters and I know that not everyone can do that but I think the mindset behind it is the same of going somewhere different even if it's around the corner but it's something outside of your normal like mundane part of life and trying something new and just to see where that can lead lead with growth and with opportunities I think there's just something really beautiful about that mm. That's a great quote from from your pastor. I would also challenge it to say that given the so here in the UK we're in lockdown. I know in the the US it's it's a bit different state by state. There's really no other place right now than home. And what I will say that's been very useful for me is variating the pace in which I operate within the same environment. So taking for example my my weekends are a good example of this like do i want to work over the weekend or do i want to have a complete technological unplug and just read or maybe go for a three-hour walk without my phone and lose track of time 
I think there are ways in which we can mold our environments so that we get that change in perspective. And that comes from dropping the kind of day-to-day -day routine and almost giving ourselves time to think. I think one of the really productive habits that I've picked up in 2021 has been built blocking out thinking time every week. So literally just sitting there for a week with one of these, with my journal and a pen, I'm not allowed any screens, that's the rule. And then I put 90 minutes on the clock and just think. I think about where are there risks with Astutely, where are there opportunities with Astutely, what are the highest leverage things I can do, what are my top priorities, and really just let my brain wander. And that's been one of the most useful rituals of my week. And so it comes back to this idea, which is in order to speed up, sometimes we have to slow down. In order to get the perspective we need, we have to change our pace. I love that. I literally was just starting to write down in order to speed up, we sometimes have to slow down. I I love that. And I feel like in society, there's such, at least in American culture and especially around New York in particular, but it's always grind, 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 grind. Like mm -hmm. if you aren't grinding, like you aren't, you aren't succeeding. You're falling behind. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that mindset can be so toxic because we we are called to rest and mm. some of the best things come from rest and recharge and just sure. undivided calm thinking time or reading or again listening to a fictional podcast that is chill but has that oomph that you can see yourself in and see your life in so I love the idea of just spending some time with your ideas because I personally am a really big visionary I'm that person that can think of ideas I'm not very artistic so I can't draw things out but I could think of ideas for businesses for products and I could just spend hours on ideas and just kind of going down the rabbit hole but I, I don't, I don't often make that time to sit down and just be quiet with my thoughts. So I think that's something that myself, I need to spend more time doing, but I think would add value to a lot of people as well is just spending some quiet time and rest. You have complete permission to rest and mm. you're not going to fall behind. It's not a waste of time, but we all need to rest. I love the way that you phrased the undivided calm time. There's something really pertinent about that subtlety you've honed in on, which is that so much of our days, and this is something I certainly struggle with, our minds are divided. We have a million and one priorities, personally, professionally, and they're all whirling around in this never-ending hamster wheel of our brains. And it takes real choice, it takes real conscious effort to stop that division and to integrate and to find ourselves again. I think there's something that, that's worth reflecting on has, for me this year has been the less inputs that I have, a lot of the time, the more output I'm able to produce. So Bali was a good example of this, that from an experience perspective, from an experiential perspective, that it was really second to none. I would get up in the mornings and I would go surfing, 
Then I go for a swim on the beach. I'd hit the ice bath, hit the sauna. It's not even 9 a.m. I mean, my morning routine was like 10 out of 10, unbelievable. The food's great. The weather's amazing. Sunsets every night on the beach. And like from a from an Instagram perspective and what you see, like it's it's amazing. The problem was that there's always a trade-off. And in Bali, where there's all these inputs, output is compromised. And so being productive on the island it felt like walking up a very a very slightly inclined hill. It wasn't quite enough to stop you. You could still get work done, but it was like the deck was tilted against you. Not rigged, but tilted. And so something that's been very strengthening this year has been cleansing myself of those inputs to a large degree. I've moved back in at home in a quiet English village, and it's allowed me to get my head down and work because I don't have those experiential inputs funneling at me. I have much more ability to have the output. So if you take that principle and extrapolate that on a micro level, rather than spending the 10 minutes to mindlessly scroll your feed, instead of having this mindless feed, feed your mind, do something nourishing, pick up a book, go for a walk, slow down, think, as you said, Charlotte, provide undivided time for yourself because that's where the mental magic really happens. Oh, I could not have said it better myself. And this has been so fun getting to spend some time chatting together. And I know that I'm super encouraged always after our conversations, but especially from ones like this. And for anyone else who has been listening, how or what is the best way to get in contact or see what you've been doing? And uh, I'm going to shamelessly plug the podcast. We've got subject matter. <laughs> it it is great. Uh, I'm biased since I've been there since the beginning, but truly it is incredible. But how can people get connected and see what you're up to? Yeah, I appreciate that, Charlotte. This has been uh, a lot of fun. I think uh, I think you nailed it. Subject matter is the best place to consume. So we put out our podcasts uh, twice a week. We've got about 40 episodes from season three alone for you to listen to. You can find that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also, if you're interested in empathetic communication and learning it, you can download a free five-step checklist on how to implement it for your life and your business over on our website, weareastutely.com. And if you want to reach out to me personally, I'd love to connect with you. And you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter by typing in Ben Bradbury. And my Twitter handle is ben Bradbury, uh, ben Bradbury underscore. Yes, and I'll put all of it in the show notes and, and put it everywhere because it is such a joy to do life with you. And I know that other people will love and find value in all that you, you have to say and put out and with astutely. But I want to wrap up with a fun question that I love asking everyone, like literally right. everyone that I meet. And I want to know if you could travel to anywhere in the world money, time, none of it mattered, where would you go and why? Mm. So I'd go to Tel Aviv in Israel for a couple of reasons. I met a few years ago, a gentleman by the name of Ali Parsa. And Ali is the founder and CEO of Babylon, a healthcare app that's based here in the UK. The, uh, the NHS use them. They are they're very successful. And I really, I, I went to... Um, it was Cannes Lions of Create, uh, Cannes Lion Festival of Creativity that I was working at, and I said to Ali, this guy who's a really like by all measures an alpha entrepreneur. I just said to him in, in passing, 
Um, really big fan of Babylon, by the way, like what you guys are doing. And I'll never forget it, Charlotte. He put his hand on my shoulder and looked at me in the eye and said, thank you. I really appreciate that. And for a second, I, not for a second, for a moment, I felt understood by this guy. I thought this is someone who has the humility and the respect to treat me as a human, despite being, despite me being a nobody, basically, professionally, and him being an everybody in my mind. But he didn't care about that. And I thought there's something really strengthening about how he sees the world. And I've spoken to a, a couple other Israeli entrepreneurs, and they have this very grounded humble way of seeing the world there's no frills attached to it right they'll say things how it absolutely is but i really appreciate the drive that they have and a couple of i think it was in the early 2000s israel's prime minister benjamin netanyahu um, started an entrepreneurial drive in tel aviv he poured tens of millions into the city to instigate entrepreneurial projects and now you're seeing that pick up and tel aviv has become this hub of ambition based out in the middle east it's kind of this anomaly if you like from the west the other thing that i find really interesting about tel aviv is that it's the vegan capital of the world so they have the highest density of vegans in the city and i experienced this when i went to bali which is that there are some places in the world where i i eat meat right but I didn't feel like I was compromising from a diet perspective at all. There was so much amazing vegan food. And I think a culture that has been able to take the time to really invest in what its people want and to give them this amazing dining experience, that's a place that cares about its people. And that's a place that I'm curious about. And if you gave me and pulled out a plane ticket out of your back pocket, that's where I'd want it to go. I love it. I love it. Well, Ben, thank you so much. This has been so fun. And I hope that we will find each other on the same continent again soon. Charlotte from Chicago. It is always a pleasure. Until next time. What a great conversation. Ben continually inspires me and I always walk away feeling like I have learned more ways to better the relationships of those around me. We hope that this inspired you to go out and make a friend in an unexpected place. Keep your head on a swivel for opportunities to spark up conversations with strangers. You never know when the person you're going to ask to take a group picture for you could become one of your closest friends. Thanks again, Ben, for all that you do and all who you are. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time.